Right now, a future president could be running as a local candidate on your ballot. This person is vying to represent you, your family, and your community. Do you know what they are and what they stand for? Vote411.org is your tool for accurate and unbiased, up-to-the-minute election information on the candidates running in local races. Just enter your address to get started. Your vote is your power, the power to decide who represents you in 2022 and beyond. Get online, get the facts, and make your voice heard on election day. I'm so sorry about our rescheduling, but I'm finally glad we get to talk story. Oh, me too. And shoots, no worries. You know, I mean, you probably, you know, one of the easier ones with schedule mix ups. I mean, I got 400 other candidates that it's just it hurting cats, brah. So no problem when you got to reschedule. You guys busy. No, but you know, it's so crazy. You think about it. You reached out in March yeah. and we're now in June and I, I applaud what you're doing, really. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I just, I'm trying to open a dialogue for the people. I, I feel that the voters just need more communication and they they make the right choices, you know. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's dig right into this so we don't lose any more time. Absolutely. All right. So if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us who you are and what office you're running for. Okay, aloha, kubika, and whoever who is listening, my name is Darius K. Kila. I am a lifelong resident of the Leeward Coast here on the island of Oahu that encompasses Makaha, Waianae, Maili, and Nanakuli. I lived in every pocket of those areas in 96792. And I'm running to represent District 44 in the Hawaii State House of Representatives. And this new district now encompasses the entire parts of Ma'ili, all of Nanakuli, Ko'olina, and Honakai Hale. Right on. So uh, we're doing a little bit of education for the voters. 
So before we dig into your story and your campaign, could you please help explain what the office you're running for does? Oh, absolutely. So on paper, right, we're legislate. We would be elected legislators, and mm-hmm. these folks are proposing and drafting and creating policy that not just represents or reflects your district, but the over a million residents here in Hawaii. But that's five months out of the year. And I don't think some people realize we're not just legislators. We're also friends. We are going to our residents, our constituents' games. We're sometimes mediators. We're sometimes the only ear that these folks have to vent on issues. So on top of not just being a legislator, you're required to off paper also be that person that anyone or your point person really for your constituents in your community. And I, I witnessed that firsthand working in the legislature that although it is the job of policy, it's so much more, but I, I enjoyed that part of it and working with community in and outside of the Capitol. Right on. So let's, uh, let's talk about you. Uh, can we get a history about you and your place in the community and what's led you to now? Oh, absolutely. So born and raised in the west side of Oahu, and I attended all the schools here. My great-grandparents are the first homesteaders of Nanakuli Homestead, and they're buried in that cemetery. But when they had passed away, my father was a little too young to inherit the property, so he was not able to succeed and live in that home. My mother's grandma was also a homesteader in Nanakuli, but we also did not get to keep that home. So when I was in the picture, we were renting an apartment in Makaha, then we lived in Waianae, then we moved to Ma'ili Kai, and then we moved to Helehulu Street in Nanakuli, but we needed to leave my eighth grade year because my father was heavily involved in drugs. So we relocated to Makikilo, and that's where I graduated, which is from Kapolei High School. But we moved back my senior year. So I was away for the last seven years. My focus in my first year of schooling was football. I'm a collegiate athlete. I had the chance to play football at a D2 school in Tennessee. But I finished out in Southern Oregon University. My background is actually journalism, and that's something I always wanted to do. I interned at Hawaii News Now, and that was always the goal. But COVID had other plans, so I got blown back home to the state of Hawaii. And going from such a high-caliber environment, which is a college environment, and then being home, I truly was a little lost. And now we're looking at February 2021. Neighborhood board elections had just opened up. Actually, as of yesterday, it's been a year since I served on the neighborhood board so far. So I serve on our neighborhood board as our secretary and treasurer for the Nanakuli Maili Neighborhood Board. I'm the chair of the Hawaiian Affairs. And at the same time, I started interning for the current legislator, Representative Stacey Lynn Eli. And then I also started working at the Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement at this time, working in their emergency funding department, helping assist the hundreds of millions of dollars of aid going towards these city and county of Honolulu residents. And then in January, I joined Representative Eli at the Honolulu, at the Hawaii State Capitol in Honolulu. And through it all, that kind of has set me up to where I am at now because because Representative Eli is pursuing a new, dist- uh, a new district. So 
with the seat open and the experience I have, that's kind of where it's led me to right now in the position to run for office. Right on. So, uh, for the office, what what do you have in mind? What 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 are you looking to bring to the table to help make change and and better the community? Well, it's so tough. You, it's tough because I always tell people when people stop dreaming, that's when your community dies. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I have to look at my dreams and my aspirations, and as large as it is. And then I have to bring myself to a sense of reality for what office I'm running for. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that I do not want to do is I do not want to lie to voters or make promises that I cannot keep. Because in 2022, nobody deserves that. So I have to always look at what I really can accomplish and then what I can work to accomplish. But really in the state capacity on that state, legislative level for the Hawaii State House of Representatives, there are really some key things that are been coming up within the district. Because as much as it's mine, issues, I also want it to be reflective of what everyone here in this district values. So a lot of it, in no no particular order, it's the idea of how we support housing and what housing looks like, especially around the topic of affordable housing, Mm -hmm. economic development, how we're supporting and revamping our education system, how we're tackling homelessness, not just throughout the state, but here in District 44. It's interesting when we did the point in time count for the numbers to come back lower, because visually what I see does not represent numbers. And then also thinking about how we're working with our different folks to handle and address crime. So in no particular order, those are some of the biggest things for me, but... I can um, I I'm not too sure at what point I can unpack some of them. I get you. Uh, you know I I think that there you know I I I like to go back to your point of just not you know being aware of what your office can do. Um, yeah. You know I I've had a lot of well-intended candidates and some very Akamai candidates such as yourself, but nobody has has completely made that statement aware to the voters and i was kind of hoping that someone would bring that to light of being aware of what your office can do and um i feel that in some cases there are there are folks that that don't know the function of the office and so there are a lot of promises that go next to their campaign that ultimately they can't provide for so i i do appreciate that you know it it may have not been exactly the answer that some people think that they need to be listening for, but like it shows that you're grounded. You're a dreamer, but you're grounded. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I want to figure out those ways for their large, large ideas. But I, my community deserves transparency. And we absolutely. talk about transparency a lot in this election cycle. There are things that I think need to be accomplished at a federal level that I know cannot be accomplished at a state level. But what we can do is work with federal elected officials at a state level. But also, I think sometimes, too, something that's not talked about when we talk about what the job duty is, is working with our Senate counterpart. So most districts have a senator for every three, four reps. There are one or two senators. Mm -hmm. And not just working closely with what I want to propose, but seeing on the Senate side. Because really, when you can get support for both the Senate and the House, it bolsters legislation and the whole. So when you can put on a unified front and propose legislation, especially as a West side cohort or as a cohort, whatever that looks like, you have a lot more chance to get these things done. And so that's where I, I, I know it might not be popular, but I'm really 
trying to stay grounded and realistic on what I, I can provide because I also know as a legislator in the house, you have two years. So I, there's, you, you, you know how government works. It's very yeah. sometimes slow. So yeah. I want to make sure folks can hold me to what I commit to or make a pledge to. Right. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm also glad that you're very aware that you're kind of in this environment where you have to whip for attention and be a part of that process in order to make, you know, broader change. So are there any uh, examples of policies or community symptoms going on right oh, now that you'd love to address? Yes. <clears throat> so when I talk about education, I was interviewed with HSTA and the big thing that came up this year was getting them the support for funding and increase of pay, which I think nobody can not tell them that they have not been deserving of that pay. Teachers have gone through something in the last two years that is unprecedented. I mean, these folks were not just teachers, they're counselors, they're medics. Mm -hmm. They're having to serve in a capacity that has never been asked of them. So I'm excited to see how we can support them financially in the future. But here on the Leeward Coast of Oahu, I was just looking at some of the data that came out. In our teachers for the Nanakuli area of about 156, only 58% of them have been at the school for more than five years. And that's a little alarming when you look at other schools that are in the 60 percentile. But we also know to an extent there is that mass retirement. But folks are coming to the Leeward Coast because they know they can get their degrees forgiven at a Title I school and they leave. But how do we keep those teachers there? And I know the talks that are coming out of some of the higher offices giving teacher housing, especially on the Leeward Coast, and I support that. But if the housing is coming to Leeward Coast, I truly believe front and center, first and foremost, the housing should go to our Leeward Coast teachers. I don't think teachers who are not in the district should have, I think they should have that, but first crack should be to the teachers who are serving in our community. Then secondhand, when we're looking at homelessness, a lot of it is not the one-size-fit-all answer. I, yeah. I think we have to treat everybody individually. And I know there are services that we offer, but kind of coinciding with crime, when I was attending school in Oregon, it was such a radical idea to implement a mental crisis response team. In Eugene, Oregon, they called it cahoots which was short for crisis assistance, helping out on the streets. Random name, I totally understand. But what CAHOOTS was, was a extension of 911. So when folks are calling into 911 and explaining, these dispatchers are trained to say, should we send police or should we send a crisis response team? Because when somebody's experiencing mental crisis or in a mental experience, they don't need a gun pointed to them. They need mental services. And what they've discovered just by implementing the CAHOOTS program, they've diverted 3 to 8% of these calls from police. And in 2014 alone, 9,600 calls were implemented for service. And as of 2021, that was 16,000. So it is there. So I know that this is like a city level, but how can we as a state work with our city partners to implement mental health crisis into the way that we respond to the needs of our people when they're experiencing these issues. And then housing as itself too, there is no one answer. But really, when we look at housing, and for me, I my great, not my great, sorry, my grandmother right now is one of the 35,000 residents on the Department of Hawaiian Homestead waitlist. But 
until we get a home, we're occupying a home. So we're renting a house that I think would be better served for another Hawaii resident. And I think if we can look at issues not in the a race space such as Hawaiian or Filipino issue, but when we categorize all these issues as a Hawaii issue, everybody wins. Because I think if we can fund Department of Hawaiian Homelands, work with them cohesively to build out the list and these homes, when one person is removed from that list, it allows someone else here in Hawaii to stay in the house that we live in. I don't know if that kind of makes sense. Oh, I, it does. But, I get you, you know, because it's a... It, it's a you got two dance cards, one dancer punching the ticket. So there's always one person who's left behind who doesn't get to dance. So, it, right. it's, you know, you're, it's, I, I, and I also feel that it can systemically affect the, the housing economy because then if you have more activated Hawaiian homestead land homes, then those are going to be at specialty and lower rates, which will then cause like comp shops to go down. So then the gentleman estates can never peak beyond a certain zone. So there's a lot of things that in the ecosystem, it really does facilitate for. I, I thank you. You're speaking my language because I, I, we know when Las Vegas has half of our native Hawaiian population, that is alarming. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can change the conversation to make, Hawaiian issues, a Hawaii issue. Everybody wins, but in all categories as we're facing. Because there are folks who will not go on a Department of Hawaiian homestead list, but this house that we're occupying could be for another Hawaii family. Granted, this rent for this home went up extraordinarily from $1,800 what we were paying five years ago, starting now July 1st, we're at $2,400. And that's, that's a good segue into my next point is how we look at economic development moving into a post-pandemic society. If it was not for my parents having our small business, we would not be here in Hawaii. And I think that is a, a tough pill to swallow. But this post-pandemic society, our relationship with local economy, we need to put our mouth where our money where our mouth is. You know, we talked about buy local, support local, then let's do it. You know, I'm a son of a small business owner, and I think to that alone makes me the best advocate for small businesses because I witnessed firsthand the barriers we had to face just to become a legal operating business. Mm-hmm. And it's those barriers that people do it under the table. you got to understand, I, I get it. It's tough. Nobody tells you how to do it. But in the pandemic, we, we had that ideology of buying and supporting local, and that has been some of the busiest we were we ever have that we've taken off in that sense to make lao lao and pipi kaula, so traditional Hawaiian food. But my parents had to go out, and we had to learn so much on our own. And I think as a state, if we invest in the offices and create positions that actually help potential small business owners get into the economy or become a part of society in that capacity, everybody wins because that revenue stays here in Hawaii and the the tax that is implemented for these small businesses go towards our funds here in Hawaii and everybody wins. And I think that's what I think a lot of the small businesses want to see that commitment from the state to see us win, you know, granted they don't have to make excess of six figures or even if they're only making a 6,000 surplus or second income, I think we, we preach often that we want economic 
or we preach sovereignty and finances, but we have to find ways to give folks and meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that, that's uh, yeah. kind of some of it. Yeah. No, I, I get you. You know, as someone in the entertainment industry, you know, I, I've been working in, in, in film offices for quite some time and I and I watch always the same same corporate studios come in and come out and then every once in a while there's one like local guy who tries to make one local movie or something and I find that a lot of what stops them is because they don't they just don't know any of the small business education for their industry and I and I notice it in other industries too whether it's making food or or you know just jewelry or hula classes what have you you know a widget's a widget but like I, I feel that there's a lot of there's a lot of tools left on the ground, and that the the public of Hawaii isn't aware of how much support there is sometimes. And so I, mm-hmm. I'm very much a proponent of trying to expand that education base. So I'd hope that that's something that you definitely put on the on the docket as far as just it's really I feel a lot of it's outreach. You know, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I started, you know, covering all you candidates is because a, a lot of it's just lack of communication to the voter. And that's not directly your guys' fault because it's there's an ecosystem. Like, where's the other, where's the other twenty crazy guys who are willing to interview four hundred people for a summer? I don't know, right. but let's hope that one day there'll be a couple more. You know, but I think that yeah. those those things, you know, they, uh, it, it it spills out and it interconnects. There, there's a lot of things that you could you could solve from those problems coming together. You know, I especially out of like if you have to open up more offices or hire more people into departments because you're not only then, you know, seeking people who can do this as a job, but then you're creating a spot in the community for that person to be able to educate on that on behalf, you know, of, of the government when they come to that office. Or even meeting them where they're at, right? We have to move away from this Honolulu based centric mindset mm-hmm. because those small businesses that need help, they are, here on in West Oahu, they are in the remote parts of Kauai. They are in Kealakehe on Hawaii Island. So I always know money is going to be the root of the issue. But mm-hmm. if there's ways that we can find, and I think sometimes too exploring that public partnership, public-private partnership, because I think there are businesses that operate here in Hawaii that truly want to integrate in the way we support Hawaii residents. I, and I don't want to chew off something bigger than I can't chew, but that's what I mean when I talk about meeting people where they're at. I love side waving in the morning and showing my commitment to the residents as they drive past Honokai Hale, letting them know that I'm up at 5.30, a little bit tired and yawning at that, but I want to meet them where they're at. And I think if we can change in the way we operate to meeting folks where they're at, we're only going to succeed. And with a new governor coming in, we have that chance. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people are, are talking about that either. Granted, I'm not a senator and I'm not confirming folks. But this next governor is going to implement folks that will stay there for the next four years. Mm-hmm. And so these newly elected officials have a chance to work closely with these new department heads, prioritizing the issues of our communities and our districts and working cohesively to get them done. And I think in another part, that's what I'm excited for if elected to office to show what we have here in District 44, what else we need in District 44, and how can we, we all help District 44 succeed. And the other districts throughout, how about you, of course, but I, I always got to advocate first for District 44. When we're in our city meetings with HPD, we're talking about pushing folks and enforcement or when they're coming out and 
I'm like, we always want to get them on, because District 8 encompasses Makaha to Eva Beach. So I'm always the person in the meeting. Don't forget about our district. And they all laugh. <laughs> well, we have just a little more time here left. And one question I'm asking all candidates is, what do you feel that the public of Hawaii can be doing right now? And not just in the sense of voting or, or activating for a campaign, but, you know, in, in the broad strokes of how we look out for the Hui right now, what do you think mm-hmm. that people can do? Knowing their story, because when they talk with candidates, and when I talk to them, when I know their story, it helps craft the, the legislation or the ideas that come up. Knowing their story is so powerful. Not just Aloha, my name is blah, blah, blah. They're where they come from, the issues that they're facing. And being willing to engage, I know it's such a sometimes daunting and intimidating process. I'm often the youngest person in the room when I'm having to share and, exper- and share my experiences. And I'm, I've gotten a lot more comfortable at it. But knowing that when I can tell the story of Darius Kila, and how that can impact and change and alter conversations. When residents here in Hawaii know their story, know their priorities, and know what they're looking for, it truly is powerful for everyone that they're interacting with. Not just folks seeking public office, but engaging in their communities. But I also know to ask our community members to do more than they already have is a lot. And I hope that they know or they can find the good people that will advocate for them. Because I think that's what makes the good advocate, leader, and elected official is pushing for them when they don't necessi- when they don't even know what to push for. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a little contradictive, but knowing your story and just engaging is powerful. Right on. Well, before you go today, could you let everybody know how we can support, follow, or join your campaign? Oh, absolutely. So first and foremost, you can reach me at our website, www.dariskila.com. I lay out more just my background and my pledge priorities and plan there and some other things. My cell phone number, and I give this out to everybody in our community, is 808-723-4311. My email is darius at dariuskila.com. And I welcome any folks in any capacity, whether it's a conversation or looking for more ways to expand and work with my campaign. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at DariusKila44. And those are all the different ways to engage and talk story with me. Right on. Well, mahalo for coming out. I'm so glad we got to connect. And I would love to ask you that, saying about like 30 days, I could come and catch up with you, see how uh, how it's been going hitting the bricks right before uh, the primaries happen. Absolutely. That'll put us in July, and I will definitely want to follow up and talk story more with you, Kavika. Thank you so much for your time and giving us the platform and just allowing me to talk story with you today. Well, you know, it goes both ways. I'm glad that there are more folks coming out for the community, and uh, and I, I look forward to see what this election brings because there's just so much change that can happen this year. Absolutely. Well, you take care and you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Enjoy your Thursday. Aloha. Aloha. Mahalo, Kavika. <gasps> Rabbit Holes is a Manava Kau production. 
This episode was produced by Kitika Hoke and Sarah Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe and follow on your favorite podcast platforms to add our weekly episodes to your queue.